0: Amen. Thank you, ladies. Appreciate that much. John chapter 10. If you'll grab your Bibles, join me. John chapter number 10. As we look in this morning's message, appreciate you being here this morning. Hope you'll join us tonight. We'll be looking at one of the keys to a successful Christian life. Hope you can join us for that, too, tonight at 6 o'clock. A pretty normal Sunday night, so that'll be great. But we're glad you're here this morning. Looking forward to this uh, message. And uh what God has in store for you and I. John chapter 10, if you find your spot there. If you need a Bible, there in front of you in the back of the pew, I'd love for you to grab that and follow along, and I want you to see what God's Word has to say for each one of us this morning. Well, over the last couple weeks, I read a couple articles that were very discouraging, very, uh, caused great disappointment in my own heart, and uh, these articles talked about something that was dying in post-pandemic America. And uh, it's something that some of us will mourn. It's lost more than others. I think it'll be missed by most, though. My generation especially, uh, we, we had the privilege of having a front-row seat to watch the ascension, the growth uh, of it during my lifetime. We got to see it flourish. We, we got to see it just uh, grow into something no one expected, and it, it did well. It flourished. And yet now, if the articles and the critics are correct, it's dead, where it's on its deathbed, it's dying. say, what in the world is that? Well, it's um, something that some of us hold very dear. It's the American buffet. See, some of you thought I was going to go spiritual. (laughs) Yeah, you missed it. thinking with my stomach other than my head. Isn't that crazy? A couple articles. In fact, I, it's actually more than just two. Uh, this week, last couple of weeks, last month, I have read about the American buffet, whether that's Golden Corral, whether that's Ryan's, whether that's uh, Old Country Buffet, any of those that we've come to know, e- even their predecessor, you might remember Sizzler, Ponderosa, the Serling Stockade, and others like that, and so forth, and of course, CeCe's uh, Pizza, the Pizza Inn, and uh, some of our teenagers got to eat at a pizza buffet and, uh, on the missions trip and things. And of course, Chinese buffet. Amen. We like Chinese buffet uh, here in America, and uh, uh, the articles. I mean, all these things are dying. They're on their way out, and especially because of the pandemic and other things like that. Only time will tell, right? But what word, can I ask you, what word describes a buffet the most? Some of you say, ah, choices, that's the word that describes a buffet. I I would concur, that is certainly a great aspect about a a buffet, and I get to go, uh, this is a terrible subject to teach on and preach on right before lunch. I get it, I see it on your faces and the saliva coming down. Anyway, hold it off for just a moment, okay? But what's the word? It's choices, right? You get the choice, that's, yeah, true, I don't think that's the best word of of, uh, description. You say, well, value, well, for some that might be, Uh, it's, a value you can eat many plates and you can regret it later, uh, and uh, you know you only pay one price, and so that's you know value. And so that, that's true, I agree. But I think there's a word that describes a buffet better than anything else, and it would be this: abundance. Abundance. You know there are abundance of choices, right? You get to pick and choose. It's a it's a picky eater's paradise. Right? You get to pick what you want, leave what you don't, and so forth. There's also a, uh, there's an abundance of fruit. Right, It doesn't run out. And what a joy it is when something starts to get empty, they fill it back up. Like, this is wonderful, and uh, that's a great thing. There's also abundance of cholesterol and fat, but we won't go there. Uh, calories and everything else, right, and pounds uh, and such. Right? There's an abundance. I think that word describes it wonderfully. We Americans like abundance. We like things in abundance. Well, if I were to try to connect the word abundance... With a thief or a robber or a criminal, you say, that's crazy, Pastor Henry. I, there, there's nothing about a criminal or a thief or a robber that it is abundance. They certainly uh, doesn't have any intention to do abundantly good to you, right? Certainly not. And certainly a thief might, um, when it calls you abundant harm, uh, and uh, steal an abundance of things from your house. But the reality is, they don't want to do you abundance of good, and they don't want to do you any good. But it's certainly not an abundance of good. You say, why would you ever connect those two things, abundance and a criminal, a thief, a robber? Why? Well, I wasn't the first one that connected them. Actually, Jesus Christ did. In John chapter 10, he he compares them, or better put, contrasts them. Notice what he says in John chapter 10. Let's pick up in verse 7. John 10, verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, verily, verily, truly, truly, uh, what verily means, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. And That reminds us where he says, "I am, I am the door. A man comes to the Father, it comes by me, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. These are all go together. Any man come to the Father, it's through Christ. Okay, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers." But the sheep do not hear them. Verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. In verse 10, we want to focus on verse 10 right now. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and destroy. That's what the thief is all about. The criminal is all about those things. Notice what he says. I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. Okay. So let's understand. When we look at verse number 10, we're going to focus in on it. We, we recognize two things quickly. And you see that, that contrast. The thief cometh to kill, destroy, the, the take. Christ came to give life abundantly. Okay. And so you see the contrast of those two thoughts and so forth. What do we see in verse number 10? Well, reality is this. Two things right off the bat. And I love being able to easily outline a verse. Okay. Here it is. Number one, you see this. Christ's purpose in coming is what? I am come that they might have life. I am come that they might have life. Here's his purpose. You want to know Christ came? And and I was reading this morning my devotions, and uh, Paul was writing to Timothy. He says, listen, this is a faithful saying, faithful saying, okay, that Jesus Christ came into the world to do what? Save sinners of whom I am chief. That's what Paul said, okay? This is why he came. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I am come that they might have life. Why do we need life? Aren't I breathing? Aren't I, aren't I enjoying uh, a beautiful summer in Michigan? Well, he's talking about eternal life, life free of sin, life free of death, life free of all the things that our sin makes us uh, deserving of. Romans 3.23, for all have sin and come short of the glory of God. We come short of eternal life in heaven. Reality, for why? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is not life, it's death. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is the eternal Life through Christ. Okay? So we see what he's saying, and he says, I have come to give you life. First step in your spiritual journey, friend. First move that you have to make is put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, we all have sinned. The wages of sin is death. We are sitting there. We need a Savior. Jesus Christ came. The love of God was commended and showed, demonstrated to us, and that while we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. Hence, Jesus Christ came that they might have life. Those who had nothing else but death and hell in front of them, their destiny was the reality of the pain for the wages of their sin for all of eternity. That's you and I. Yet, Jesus Christ came to get, uh, give life. And my friend, that's what you and I have gained in Jesus Christ. And to that we say, amen. Praise the Lord. What we have in him, he's come to have life. The second thing is this, that's his purpose. What else do we see in the verse? Christ's promise for living. Christ's promise for living. His purpose for coming, now he's given a promise for our living. What is that? That they might have life more abundantly. Man, what a great statement. You probably already noticed, and uh, the title of the message was simply, The Abundances of Knowing Christ. He has come that you and I may have life abundantly in many areas, okay? That our lives will be like a buffet spiritually. That there be abundance of choices, abundance of things that are readily will never end. And that you and I can glean and take them every single day. There are abundances for the Christian life. Can I tell you what is the greatest joy of knowing Jesus Christ? Certainly it's salvation going to heaven. But I'll tell you, I am so very thankful today that there is not a day I live without Jesus Christ. There is joy in knowing Christ and living not only in him, but with him. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, the Bible says. Christ is with us every step of the way. And with that, there are abundances that he has afforded us and promised us. I love what Paul said in Ephesians chapter number 2 and verse 19. In 20, verse 19 says this, And to know the love of Christ that passeth, or which passeth knowledge. It's incomprehensible. You can't understand it. It's hard to describe. Here's the love of Christ, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And can I tell you, there's one thing that each of us have in common after we leave a buffet is that we are filled. Filled to the gills. Okay? And uh, my grandfather used to have a saying a long time ago. I remember sitting at his kitchen table, and he would say, um, load the wagon, don't mind the mules. I don't know where it came from and what it meant, but reality was he said, hey, don't mind the wagon, just lo- or don't mind the mules, just load the wagon, or load the wagon, don't mind the mules. In other words, load up, feed up, eat up. And boy, we do that at a buffet. How many times have we walked out of a restaurant, let alone a buffet, and we say, Woo! I ate too much. You were filled with all the fullness of the good food. Now, can I tell you, so much better, so much greater is what Paul says in Ephesians, that when you are saved, we are able, do not miss it, we are able on a daily basis to be filled with all the fullness of the goodness of God. Filled with all the fullness of the goodness of God. That's the love of Christ. And can I tell you that ought to pass our knowledge, our comprehension, that God would allow you and I to do and enjoy that on a daily basis. You and I can be filled through Christ. Verse 20, 20, it, it, it expounds upon it, verse 20 of Ephesians chapter two. Notice what it says. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding, what's the next word? Abundantly. Okay, that was terrible participation. I didn't give you a good warning, so let's try it again, okay? Now unto him that is able to exceeding, what's the next word? Abundantly. Abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine, think, beyond our comprehension. I mean, what a great statement according to the power, his power, that worketh in us. Exceeding abundantly in our lives. Are you living like that, Christian? Because he can do it. Are you experiencing the power of God working in you to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you would ask? May I just put it this way? The potential in the Christian life is for God to exceed our expectations. To exceed our expectations. How how good do you think life can be? How joyful, how how happy can life truly be? Can I tell you, faith in God and living according as he dictates can bring life that will exceed abundantly your expectations. It will go beyond what you and I can comprehend. That's what the verse says. It can go over what we can imagine or ask for. Life in Christ is first found in salvation. I am come that they might have life. But he adds to it a promise that they might have life more abundantly exceedingly abundantly better than they could ever imagine. Paul spoke to, uh, of this when he wrote to the church at Galatia, the believers in that little church there, or large, we really don't know the size of it, but to that church in Galatia. He said this in Galatians chapter 2, 20, a familiar verse, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And notice the next statement. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live faith of the Son of God. That's a great statement, as he says, who loved me and gave himself for me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Two aspects to that. He says, listen, what I'm living right now, this life is due to Christ and what he did on the cross. That I am a new creature in Christ. I owe it all to him, faith in him. But there's also an aspect of this verse where he's saying, now, the, the life I live today, I live by continual faith in Christ. His word. What he has promised, the abundancy of the Christian life, the abundances uh, of knowing Christ are mine. I live daily looking to my Savior, his word, to experience the abundant life that he has promised. Now, let me ask you this, okay? Would you think with me, believer? Don't answer out loud. But what is your most favorite area or aspect of the abundance of the christian life in other words what is one of the abundances if i may describe them as such of the christian life that is your favorite what is it that god has promised in abundance that you would say you know pastor henry if i had to say there was one in my life that i've experienced more than any others that i enjoy that i'm thankful for more than any others it is this abundance what would that be Won't be the one that you would say, hey, you know what, (laughs) there's there's just one aspect about the Christian life that I've just, I've come to appreciate, I've come to love, I've come to enjoy, and boy, I lean on more than any other, it would be this, that one that you're thankful for on a daily basis. I tell you, friend, if you have not yet trusted in Christ, I want to give you a warning. You have no clue what an abundant life is. You have no ability to have the abundant life. So you must first come and realize that Jesus Christ came to have life, to give life. Have you trusted in Him today? Have you made Him your your Lord and Savior? Have you have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Uh, confess your sins and trust on Him alone for salvation. And have it starts there. But can I also encourage you? Jesus Christ wants to save you, and He wants to give you abundant life. It's for everyone, but you can't experience it until you are in Christ, until you know Him as your personal Savior. He wants you to experience what it means to know Christ, to live by faith in him every day. So could I just take a few moments, and we'll be done. Could, I, could we just review a couple or a few of the daily abundances that we find that God provides for us on a daily basis? Okay, What are some of those? You can kind of guess in, in your head, see if you can guess them ahead of time. Okay, Number one is this one. Okay, There is abundant grace to both save us and sustain us. Abundant grace to both save us and sustain us. I like what Romans 5.20, Paul would have said in here. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. It abounded abundantly, literally, is what we could say there. Grace did much more abound. Could we not all say today, I love what Paul said. Remember that verse I quoted just a moment ago that he said to Timothy? Jesus Christ came to the earth to save sinners of whom I am chief. Yeah, Paul could stand here and give a testimony today. He'd tell you, I, you and I would focus maybe on his missions trips. You and I would focus on the church plants. You and I would focus on the Timothys, the Tituses, the Barnabases, the others, that he had a huge impact, and impact on their life. And, and we would say, wow, he's such a great guy. Can I tell you, I believe Paul would stand up here and say, listen, you don't know who I am. You don't understand what I did before I that road to Damascus when I trusted in Jesus Christ. You have no clue. The the people I threw into jail, the Christians I murdered, you have no idea. And he would dwell in that reality. He would express to you, listen, I am the chief of sinners. But in the same breath, he's not living in his past sin. You know what he's living in? The grace of God. Because that grace, it saves us. He understood it and he came to the realization, For by grace are ye saved. He wrote to the church at Ephesus, For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. For by grace are ye saved. My friend, you and I could all exclaim today, Boy, my sin was great, but I sure am thankful that God's grace was greater. It abounded much more than the sins that I have committed. It abounded in salvation. It applied Christ's righteousness to our account. And I'm thankful that even though our sins were abundant, God's grace was much more abundant. For by grace are you saved. Thankful that for his abundant grace that saves us. But it also is an abundant grace that sustains us sustains us. Don't miss this. You know the verse, right? It's familiar. We'll turn to a couple here in a moment, but for sake of time, I put several up here, so don't miss it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. The idea of sufficiency, and we know what that means. It's it's complete. There's not going to be, it also means there's not going to be end to it. It's there. It's sufficient. It's going to meet every need, okay? He goes on, perfect in weakness. Moses gladly, therefore, (laughs) Will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me? You know the next verse, verse number 10, you know what he also says? Okay, so notice the, the thing. He asks grace. God, would you take this away? He says, no, my grace is sufficient. So he starts to wrap his mind. Literally, he starts to embrace the reality that God's grace is sufficient. Notice how it changes his thinking. And can I tell you, let's be honest this morning. You know where most of us lose victories in the Christian battle, in the Christian life? It's up here. In our thinking. Because you will not do right until you think right. And it is through God's word that our thinking is what? Renewed. It's renovated. It's changed through the word of God. Okay? So he's saying here, and it happens in Paul as we're reading this uh, account, he's saying, listen, God responded to me. God, take away this infirmity. Take away this painful thing in my life. God said, no, I'm not going to do that, but my grace is sufficient. And so all of a sudden, there had to be some thinking that changed. His thought process had to change for Paul. He said, ooh, okay. So, so now, as this verse said, I will rather glory in my infirmities. The next verse, he says, I take pleasure, in my infirmities. I don't know about you, but I could, if you wanted to stick around and listen, I could list some infirmities. But can I tell you, this is convicting, isn't it? I glory in my infirmities. I take pleasure in these things that I certainly don't want. They are not enjoyable. And in my flesh, I'd much rather complain about it. I'd much rather gripe about it. I'd much rather let it stop me from doing what I ought to do. Those infirmities, and yet Paul has changed his thinking. He says, you know what? Since God said my His grace is sufficient for me. I want to change my thinking a little bit or a lot, and I want to start glorying in my infirmities. I I want to start taking pleasure in this. You know what Paul's teaching us here? Do not miss a believer. When you realize and embrace the abundancy of God's grace afforded every believer, it changes your attitude towards affirmities and trials and difficulties and challenges. When you embrace the abundancy of God's grace afforded to you and I, You know, can I just put it in a simple statement that I think is rather um, diagnostic of where many Christians are? It would simply be this. Too many Christians speak of God's grace, but too few live in light of it. We'll allude to it, we'll speak to it, we can quote verses about God's grace in different situations, but the reality is we don't live in light of it. What do I mean? I love that terminology in light of uh, word and other things like to uh, get you to not use such uh, idioms or such statements and so forth. But I like that in light of, okay? H- how many of you have ever like, I have been working on something, maybe a car or a project and it's either in a dark place or as often happens to me, I start it when it's light and I'm not done when it's dark, okay? And you need light and you've called out one of your children. And you say, hey, hold the flashlight here. Daddy needs to work on this. I need both hands. So would you just hold the flashlight? And so we'll use the clicker. Say, hold it right here, okay? And you're working down here. What invariably happens with the flashlight in the kid's hand? And you're like, what are you doing? I need the light here. I'm trying to work. I want to go to bed sometime tonight. Would you just hold the light still? And Oh, yeah, sorry, Dad. Five seconds later, ten seconds later. (laughs) It's can you not hold it still? I know you're Henry. We don't do anything still, but you can, you can hold it there, right? You can just keep it still. Can't you form it? Can you just, right? You know, I, I think that's a great illustration of living in light of. You know what happens? Affirmities come along, trials come along, and you and I, we start out good. Okay, God's grace is sufficient. We take the light of that truth. We shine it on our situation, and the first day, we're doing great, but then we get a little bit more bad news from the doctor or things don't go the way we want them to in the trial. And guess what we do with the light? The light of God's grace and the truth of it is no longer shining on that situation by day two, by day three, by day four, by the second week, by third month. Guess what we're doing? We're griping and complaining. We're, we're, our, our infirmities, we're not glorying in. We're not taking pleasure in because God's grace has shined upon that. No, no, no. Reality is we have just turned back into our human nature where we're like the Israelites in the wilderness we're whining and complaining. You know what it needs? Wait a minute. There is an abundance of God's grace. And so let's just every day remind ourselves that in this situation, this infirmity, this trial, let's shine the light of God's grace. Let's be reminded my grace is sufficient for thee. It's abundant. So you say, well, man, Pastor Henry, there's so much going on in my life. Can I just tell you right now, I am thankful for the abundant grace of God that sustains us. No matter how many trials, how many troubles, how many, how many heartaches, how many uh, difficulties, infirmities come up. You see, too often our attitude toward infirmities is all wrong. We don't know what it means to glory in those infirmities because of the grace given in the midst of them. We don't know how to take pleasure in them, as Paul says in that next verse, because God's strength is revealed in, them as we, in us as we experience infirmities. That really is what the abundant life is truly all about, friend. Can I tell you as a believer, man, I sure am thankful that I don't have to go through life without the abundant grace of God that sustains us, keeps us, holds us, uh, lifts us up, supports us. Can I ask you right now, are you living in light of this truth? Or have you turned the light away or switched it off in your life? The grace of God is sufficient. It's abundant in your situation. What you face Do you wake up still saying, okay, God, I'm claiming that verse. Your grace is sufficient. You will be abundant in your giving of it. Lord, I'm trusting in that, and would you just help me today? My friend, can I just encourage you today, when you have trusted in Jesus Christ, Christ came to give you abundant life, and he wants to give you abundant grace every single day if you will let him. This kind of goes with the first one, but I think it's important to know, number two, not only is there abundant grace to both save us and sustain us, but, man, I sure am thankful for this on a daily basis. There is abundant pardon for all sins, past, present, and future. Abundant pardon to forgive us of all sins. I love the truth that Isaiah 55, verse 7, bears out for you and I says this, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. He will abundantly pardon. Man, what a great thought. You know, I would suppose that if you were sitting on death row today, if you were waiting your execution, and, and you were sitting in a in a cell, and you'd been there for some time, and, and you were yet convicted and sentenced for something you didn't do, the reality is this. You and I would probably be uh, calling everybody we can, writing everybody we can. We'd probably be looking to a governor, or, or even to a president, to pardon us. We, we'd cry for that. We, we'd say we deserve this because we were unjustly convicted and unjustly sentenced to death. We're on death row, and we'd rightfully cry out for pardon. But at the same time, if you, were and I, you and I were sitting in death row today and we were waiting execution and we were there because we were sentenced and convicted for a crime we committed, for something we did do. The fact of the matter is you might hope for a pardon, but you would not have any basis upon which to cry for one and ask for one. And can I tell you, friend, every time that you and I sin, and certainly the sins before salvation, we we didn't deserve any kind of pardon. We were rightfully guilty, and yet a merciful, loving God is abundant in His pardon. I would not do it, but what if we went around the auditorium and Everybody just said, hey, here's some sins that I've committed. Here's some things that I've done in my past. Here's some things. And and we might be appalled. We might be red in the face. We we might be just amazed that, that that happened and so forth. But can I tell you, listen, Jesus Christ pardons all sin. He pardons all sin. Past, present, and future. You see, friend, when Christ entered our lives, he came to give life. And in that, he gave abundant pardon we are guilty of sin. We deserve every consequence and penalty. But when we turn to Christ, as that verse put it, as we return to him as Christians sometimes, he will abundantly pardon. Can I tell you this week, did you did you take the New Testament version of that? First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To pardon us, I, I like to call it the Christian's bar of soap. Cleanses us. My friend, did, did you avail yourself of that truth this week? Wrong attitude, a wrong word, a wrong action. You did something, and where out he was, the Holy Spirit within, the conscience that you've yielded to the Holy Spirit, convicted it, pricked your heart. And you cried out to God, God, I'm so sorry. I should have never done that. I know it's wrong. So, Father, would you forgive me? Aren't you glad this week you found his abundant pardon, that he removed it from your account? I don't know about you, but I am a frail human being. It's too easy to give in to my old flesh. It's too easy to falter and to fail and to, uh, to yield. And as Paul, I, I find the older I get and the more I live, the reality is this, those things that I should do, I often find myself not doing those. Those things I shouldn't do, boy, I do those things. And God, it is only through your abundant pardon that that guilt is removed and sometimes those consequences are gone. And I'm so thankful that as we have found faith in Christ, life in Christ, that he forgives our sins. He pardons our sins. And it's an abundant pardon. I'm glad God doesn't stand in heaven. He says, listen, you know what? I've already forgiven you. And what would it be like if Christ kept a tally of all the sins he forgave us? Flipping that sheet on that chart. <laughs> okay. Some of it, we'd be afraid it looked like our health chart, right? Page after page after page. Okay. Okay sin after sin after sin, and what if he said, okay, you've reached your quota, <laughs> okay, from now until you die, no more sinning, or it's all over, Man, wouldn't that be terrible? You say, impossible, I could <laughs> maybe a day, maybe a week, maybe a month without sin, but boy, it just, it'll get me, it'll trip me up, and there's just no way. Sure, I'm thankful that God has said, I'll even forgive your future sins. You confess them, I'll cleanse you from them, I'll, I'll pardon you of them. My friend, we serve a great God, a Savior that has given us life and he's given us the abundant life. We live a blessed life, an abundant life of abundant pardon. You know, it goes much farther than that. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 36, would you? Psalm 36, Psalm 36, I promised you we'd look at a couple verses, I'm not going to have you turn to all of them, but let's look at this one, Psalm 36, if you will, with me. Psalm chapter 36. Psalm chapter 36. We'll look down at verse number 7. Notice what it says, Psalm chapter 36, verse 7 and following. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be, notice this, abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. I love that statement. Okay, so number three, we got abundant uh, grace Save us, sustain us. We have abundant pardon for sins of the past, present, and future. Number three, you caught it there. We have abundant satisfaction. Abundant satisfaction today and every day of our lives. I mean, this is a great passage as he bears out. It makes me think of a buffet again. Forgive me as that's our theme, right? In our illustration at the beginning. Why is it? Why is it? it? Well, notice what he says in that Verse. He says, the fullness of my house. In fact, the term there is literally one that indicates a sumptuous food, a sumptuous feast. It's it's the idea of that, that word fatness, excuse me, is the word there. That is uh, a sumptuous feast, sumptuous food. Literally, and then the next statement, what? Drink. So you see, it, it certainly flows in with our, our theme, if we could put it that way. It's a picture of eating and drinking of the fatness of God's house, his family, his church, drinking from the river of his abundant pleasures. It's a dramatic picture here okay many of us maybe growing up maybe even some of our children now they love to go to grandparents house because they can have all the treats they want they can have uh, whatever the case may be they can eat their favorite foods things like that or somebody's house they love doing that right and you, you remember oh that's great because i can eat this and they'll you know, they'll ask me are you still hungry and i can say yes and that'll be great and i can eat more and it's just wonderful because they'll fill you up and they'll fill you with the fatness of their house you can drink of their pleasures evermore. That's literally the picture here of that. Now, l- let's apply that. Aren't you thankful that God's store never runs dry? Aren't you thankful that there's not a time God says, nah, I, don't, I don't have anything for you today. <laughs> I, I, you know what? You're gonna have to go it on your own today. I, I don't have any more, you know. What? We haven't gone to the grocery store. Okay, it feels like in our home with teenage boys, it seems like oh, oh, we're turning around, you have to go to the grocery store all the time, you know. We're running out of this, running out of this, running out of this. You don't have God never says, you know what, I'm sorry I don't have it today. That's not true. Now I put it this way, three truths here that we could apply and think learn from. Every time we come to the house of God, He is ready to abundantly fill our cup. There's not a time that you and I come here to Foster Baptist Church or a, a church that preaches the Word of God that God is not ready to fill our cup. We all know the problem that is typically there though. We're already satisfied with things in our own life. We're satisfied with the things of the world that we filled our cup with. That's why it's imperative that you and I come in every service with our cup empty. Father, would you fill it? And our God is more than ready to abundantly fill your cup so that you are satisfied with the word of God. I did find your word. It was as bread to me. I did eat it. That's the idea. Number two, the fact is this, every moment we open God's Word to study and read it, God is ready to abundantly load us up. Hey, take more, do this, take more. I've told, I know we're quickly running out of time, but I told the story before as a youth pastor, and we took missions trips, different places. One of our rules was that whatever you are served, you had to eat. And so we'd go to all kinds of foreign fields and things like that, and and there were some picky eaters sometimes in our youth group. We had one young man, and uh, I think he had just graduated, so it was the summer of his senior year before he headed off to college. It may not have been, but anyway. um, He was older at least, junior maybe uh, in that sense. We were out. uh, This was Trinidad? No, Guyana. This was Guyana. And they took us to somebody's house for a meal. (laughs) This young man had never eaten lettuce. 17-year-old, 18-year-old, and guess what they put on his plate? <laughs> Every youth pastor loves it when that happens. There was a big piece of lettuce. And I remember to this day, my wife will remember, as we came back and we gave an, a, a follow-up to the church, and much like we'll do on the 31st, uh, we had a picture of him holding the lettuce, smiling up to his mouth, like this. Because he bought in, he understood. Okay? Now, that was a fun truth and a fun aspect about our missions trips, but here's the problem. If I made the teenagers do that, guess what? I had to do that. And so there at Guyana, for some reason, because I was the leader of the group, they thought I could eat the, enough for like five men. The mother, the wife of the house, and, and I'm t- she gave me a plate. And, and on top of this, Guyana, they love their hot sauce. So they doused in a hot, they didn't ask you, do you want it? They just, like, oh, thank you, God bless you. So I did it, man. I worked through that plate. He was working through his lettuce. I was working through my plate. I'm serious. I had like two bites left. I was rejoicing. The Lord had helped me. She comes along. She goes, oh, you need more. (laughs) She took my plate, filled it up almost as much as she did the first time. I got it back. (laughs) Lord, I need abundant grace right now. (laughs) I need your help to eat this you know what, I appreciate her attitude and spirit because you know what you want to do? Fill us up. Load you up. You know, reality is this. I'm grateful for a God who will abundantly load us up. When you read God's word, when you even come into a service like this, the fact is that God wants to fill you up, load you up. And may I add one more thing. The fact is this, every day that you and I walk by faith in Christ, he is ready to abundantly satisfy us. He wants to satisfy you friend. He wants to fill you up, load you up. You got to live by faith. You, you got to live according to his word. Enjoy the life he's given you, but he wants to give it to you abundantly if you'll do simply these things. How sad it is when you and I as believers miss out on the abundant satisfaction. Why? Because we aren't ready with our hearts open. We aren't ready with the right attitude. We don't choose to walk every day by faith, okay? Wouldn't this be silly if I was in a buffet and, uh, I, I, and I came up to the buffet and everybody around me starts to look at me like, what, what's he doing? You say, why are they doing that? Well, what if I walked up to that buffet and I didn't have a plate? Oh, that looks good. I mean, I'd like to have some of that. That, that looks good. I like, I'm like, man, you paid. You, you came in. Why, just grab a plate. Isn't it similarly sad when you and I as believers, we go through life and God, Christ has done everything so that you and I can have the abundant life, but we don't come to him ready to be filled. We don't have a plate. Our hearts aren't open. Our cup is not empty. It's filled with other things that ought not to be there. And we, we come to God and God says, listen, I want you to have an abundant life. In fact, I want to abundantly satisfy you. Can I ask you this morning, what else is in your heart? What else is there that you're trying to find satisfaction in, can I just tell you right now, you won't find it apart from Jesus Christ. He alone abundantly satisfies. My friend, how is it for you today? Enjoying? Walking in his abundant grace? Are you thankful for his abundant pardon? And as we've just talked about here in this moment, are you finding his abundant satisfaction every day? My Father, I thank you for your word. I'm grateful for these truths. And yet, though we have several more to discuss and talk about, Father, I pray that in this invitation, Lord, that we would be reminded about how good we have it in Christ. Father, I would pray that if there's one here this morning that does not yet experienced uh, the abundancy of the Christian life. They have not yet experienced salvation found alone in him. Father, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Father, then I would also pray for some Christians that, Lord, is maybe they've struggled this week, and maybe there's been some infirmities, there's been some trials, and their outlook has been all wrong. Maybe they started out well, and maybe the reality was they they spoke of your grace, but very soon it became apparent that we were not living in light of that truth. Father, I pray that you would help them today with they purpose in their heart to Keep that light of grace shining, that light of that truth so that they would see your abundant grace. They can glory in infirmities. They can take pleasure in infirmities to see your strength, your grace on display. My Father, I think personally I'm just so grateful for your abundant grace, daily grace you afford us. And Father, I'm also thankful. And Lord, I, I pray there would be some Christians this morning who would just simply utter a word of thankfulness and gratefulness that you are a God that pardons all sins. Pardon and forgive us, Father. You cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and we are so undeserving, and yet, Father, you are so merciful. We rejoice and praise you for your abundant pardon. Father, maybe there's a believer here. Lord, you know hearts. I certainly don't, but maybe there's a heart here that has sin in it. Today, you wanted to remind them that you are ready to show mercy and pardon them. And Father, I pray that they would find that forgiveness by confessing their sin to you today sin of thoughts, sin of attitudes, sin of action. and Lord, I pray they'd confess it today, that they would throw themselves on a, at the feet of a merciful, abundantly pardoning God. Father, would you do a mighty work in that heart, and that Christian, make sure, as we sang just a moment ago, there's nothing between my soul and the Savior. Make sure of that today. And then, Father, as we just finished talking about it, Lord, I'm so thankful that you are a God that abundantly satisfies us. Father, I pray you'd Forgive us for where we've gone to the world, we've gone to something it offers, we've gone to something of our own concoction to satisfy us. And Lord, I pray that we'd even in this invitation confess that and then we get back to looking to you for satisfaction. May we come to you often in your word and in prayer and in services with our cup empty, ready for you to fill it, ready to be satisfied in you alone. Father, would you do a work in this invitation? Would you get us back to enjoying the abundances of the Christian life, the abundances of knowing Christ? And, Lord, would you do the work that only you can do?